You're listening to sermon audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com. Thanks for listening, and we trust that this teaching will grow you in following the way of Jesus. All right, well, good morning, Landmark. Uh, I'm a little bit bummed today because uh, I don't get to come and see you very often anymore, and, uh, and here I am, and here you're not. Uh, so it's a little discouraging for me, um, but I, I trust that that this is going to get into the camera the way it's supposed to and find you in your homes. And, uh, and I'm sure I'll see you guys again one of these days. So uh, it's, it's a bit of a strange morning. A little bittersweet missing you guys, but, uh, but that's fine. I'm so happy to be here. Why don't we pray? You can pray with me in your homes. You can bow your head. You can fold your hands. Whatever you want to do, you can gather your kids around you. But let's pray before we get into the Word of God. So Lord, we're here, and, uh, and things look different, and uh, avenues and mediums are different, and technology is serving your word, and I-, I pray you would just help us with any distractions, whether it be kids in the other room, um, distractions from home, things that you need to accomplish, even technology issues. Lord, I pray that technology would be really smooth, that, um, that the feeds would work, that the connections would be all there that Wi-Fi would be doing what it's supposed to be doing, and uh, that nothing would, would, would make it rougher than it needs to be. And I thank you that your word, um, your spirit, and your, your voice um, travels far uh, and wide above anything that we can use. So we thank you for that. So we come under your word. Give us faith, Lord, to hear this. Give us ears that are willing to um, really embrace what you're saying. And I pray all of us would leave uh, the couch, the chair, whatever it is today, knowing that, that you've brought us into something more. Um, so we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so uh, the way I want to start today is there's three different types of listening. Listening is important. Uh, as you know, when you don't listen, there's often a very big reaction that comes and listening is very important. And there's three types of listeners. There's a persuasive listener. And persuasive listening is all about trying to just control the conversation. When do I get to talk next? And how do I get the other person to stop talking so that my um, agenda can come through? And pervasive talking is always looking to control the conversation. We don't want to be pervasive listeners. Then there's directive listening, and that's manipulating the conversation as well into your own um, agendas. That's asking leading questions. So instead of opening-ended questions, how are you doing today? That's an open-ended question. A leading question would be, you look like you're really down today. Is that true? Um, You're kind of bringing people into a scenario that you want them to be. Not helpful as well. The third type of listening, the healthy type of listening, is active listening listening. And I love the term active listening because there is nothing passive about listening. Nothing passive about it. We think that listening is simply um, holding back our words and being quiet while somebody else is talking. But that is a small element of listening. And it's a, active listening involves body um, posturing. It involves how square you are with the person. It involves Uh, eye contact, it involves um, nodding your head, stuff like that. 
there's a whole um, posture to active listening and there's nothing passive about it. You really need to be engaged because the whole point of active listening is connecting with the person who's speaking. Connection is what it's all about. And so it's very important and that's what we want to talk about today uh, is active listening. Okay, I want to go to the story of Elijah. The story of Elijah is amazing. And, uh, and I think it's really relevant for today. It's really relevant for this season. And it's really relevant with listening. Um, so today, the message is called Sound of Silence. Uh, it's not simply just a good Simon and Garfunkel song, although it is simply a good Simon and Garfunkel song as well. Uh, you can Google that after I'm done, if you wish. But... Uh, I think that Elijah learned a really important lesson with, with the sound of silence. And, and I think you might know where I'm going, you might not, but you will when I'm done for sure. So we're going to pick it up in 1 Kings 19, but I want to give you some context before I read the passage for today. The passage we're going to be reading is, is 1 Kings 19, 9 to 18, if you want to go there already. Now, where is Elijah before this passage? Elijah has just defeated 450 prophets of Baal with the big standoff uh, asking God to receive his offering. If you remember in 1 Kings 18, he gets all the prophets together. He says, King Ahab, get all your prophets together. There was 850 prophets there. I said, gather them all together and you know what? You guys go first. And I want you guys to call down fire from Baal onto the sacrifice and eat that whole sacrifice up. Go ahead. And they waited and waited and waited and nothing happened. And uh, Elijah engaged in some gentle ribbing of them as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, Elijah called on God after soaking his whole altar and rebuilding it. And God answered and totally lit up that offering. Uh, he also sent rain. Now, the land did not have rain for three and a half years. It doesn't say that. In 1 Kings, it says that in Luke, and it says that in James, that it took three and a half years for God to send rain. But at the end of that, God sent rain. It actually says uh, in James 5.17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Now, now remember that theme uh, as we go through today. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Okay, because I believe that it's really important that we see ourselves in this story. Okay, because this is a story very much like ours in 1 Kings 19. So here's Elijah. He's defeated uh, his enemies. He's defeated the prophets of Baal. He actually slain them uh, in the river uh, after that. It's kind of a gory detail of the story. Uh, but 1 Kings picks up with Elijah being really afraid. Because Jezebel, as, uh, Ahab's wife, hates Elijah and sends a messenger saying, I heard about what you, what you all did in that great victory. I'm coming to get you and you're going to die. And, and, and just think about that. Like Elijah was at the, the pinnacle of his ministry with these powerful victories. And the second most powerful, maybe the most powerful person in Israel says, I'm coming to kill you. And, uh, and he was afraid. He was really, really afraid. 
uh, so afraid that he ran into the wilderness and hid and asked God, if, if you could just end my life now, that'd be fine. And God doesn't do that. God actually sends an angel to feed him two times and sends him deeper into the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb where um, he has big plans for Elijah. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Mount Horeb. This is what the Word of God says in 1 Kings 19, 9-18. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? A voice came again saying that. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. Elisha, the son of Shaphath, of Abel-Mahulah, you shall anoint to be the prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And I want to just camp on a certain aspect of this portion. Uh, it's it's the, the depth of Elijah's spirit arriving at Horeb. As I said before, Elijah had come from a just a pinnacle, life's work. If this is the best thing I ever do, my life is successful, my ministry is successful, my name will always be remembered, I will be counted faithful, I've done what God has asked me to do. It's this pinnacle standoff that he had. Not only did he defeat all these prophets and end their ministry of Baal, but he also, God used him to bring rain back after three and a half years to all of Israel. That, that's amazing. And yet, nothing had changed. People were still against him. They still wanted him dead. And he was down, down, discouraged, down. All the way down. He was fighting fear, 
depression, loneliness, isolation. Do any of these things sound similar to us today? We often are up at a place where we feel like, if this is life for me, I'm doing okay. If this is life for me, I can manage this. I have some levels of success in my life. I have some levels that I feel good about. God is using me. He's advancing my ministry. He's growing me in my gifts. He's establishing my relationships. This is so good. And then the fall comes. And just like that, we turn around and all that's around us is discouragement, despair, fear, doubt, worry, isolation, anxiety, and we think, how did this all happen? Elijah himself said, he says it twice in the passage, I have been jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. What a fall. What a fall. He's just grieving how he's come from the highest of highs and days later, the lowest of lows. I remember late this fall, I was praying with somebody who was just receiving God for the first time, just opening up their heart that Jesus would come in. And I went home on cloud 59 because it's just so exciting. And then I got a call that a family member was sick and in the hospital, and I just crashed down. It was amazing how fast that happens. It reminds me of years past. I went to, it's a bit of a funny story, but I went to jump over this pallet that was being used as a bridge from this uh, huge puddle. But it was like March, and so it's kind of icy. And so I went to jump over this pallet and in doing that, I slipped on the ice and became beautifully, uh, wonderfully horizontal in the air. And I landed straight on the pallet and actually broke the pallet. Um, it's funny, sometimes you wipe out so bad that you think, I really hope somebody saw that. Because that would have been incredible if we could have gotten that on camera. I don't think anybody did. But it's amazing how quickly we can fall. How quickly despair can come and find us. Doesn't necessarily matter what happened yesterday because we can feel so down today. And I believe that's where Elijah was. Let me read again James 5:17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. The Bible is taking the time to say all those crazy things that Elijah did. He was just like you. He was just like me. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. It remind, this passage reminds me of, of Rocky IV when Rocky finally gets a good shot. I know we're talking violence in church here, but it's boxing. It's a sport. Gets a good shot on Drago, the, the big Russian guy. And he cuts him. And everybody's excited because now... Drago has shown himself to simply be a man. He's just a man. And, uh, and that's the whole turning point. It's very inspirational, um, as Rocky tends to be. But So it's important that we read these giants in Scripture and we remember 
they were just like us. And God used them powerfully. And God met them in their, in their deepest, darkest, fleshiest, saddest times. Because Elijah was down. He was done. He was ready to give up. He was telling God, my ministry is over. I don't have any problem with that. Please take me out. I'm done. Tag, please. Somebody else take the baton. And we feel that all the time. All the time. And hey, we got a lot of reasons to feel that these days. There's a lot of pressure going on around us for us to feel that despair. Well, I, I wish it was two months ago when everything made sense. I wish it was six months from now when maybe some of these things are going to be different. When isolation is going to be done. When COVID's not going to be the only word you hear. When self-isolation uh, or social distancing aren't words that are in every single sentence. But I believe there's a beautiful exchange and conversation and opportunity to hear God in a new way in this season like Elijah did in that lonely, lonely mountain. It took him 40 days to get to Mount Horeb. How much self-isolation is that? 40 days he had to travel to hang out in a cave. I bet you we've probably felt like that from time to time. And yet this was the stage that God wanted to use to really get his attention. We go, to, we go to countless retreats and ministry centers and they're wonderful and one of the reasons we do it is to get away from all the distractions. We also go for food. We also go for on-ice rugby. But we go there to, to put away our phone, to put away social media, to put away some of the stresses of being a father or a dad or a mom or a wife just for the weekend and, and, and give all of our focus to God. And God gets all of us. He gets our full eye contact. And we do that purposefully. And yet here we are in a, in a time of self-isolation. And all we're saying is, God, get me out. The walls are getting way too close. And God's saying, we haven't even had our heart to heart yet. You haven't even gazed into my eyes yet. You haven't found your quiet place with me. And it's just such a wonderful opportunity. It changed everything for Elijah. So I want to encourage us in four different ways from this portion of Scripture that were relevant for Elijah and they're relevant for us today. Right? Elijah was just like us. Just like us, flesh and blood, with all of the highs and lows that we experience. And he really knew about social isolation way better than we know. He's not catching anything on Mount Horeb. So the first encouragement is this. Is we need to get available to the Lord. All of these encouragements are going to have an active property to it. Because, as I said at the beginning, listening is not a passive thing. You have to be fully engaged and working just as hard as the person speaking to catch everything that they're saying. If you've ever listened really well to somebody who's talking, you know this to be true. And it's not simply staying awake while they're talking. That is not active listening, all right? That is just delaying the inevitable big problem you're going to have, all right? 
um, so active listening is work. Active listening is effort. It's a posture. It's this thing that we commit ourselves to. So these four points are going to have kind of a do uh, flavor to them, and that's on purpose. So the first is getting available to the Lord. Okay, getting available to the Lord. Putting ourselves in a place where He can talk to us. We have to do that on purpose. Okay, Elijah, as I said before, was strengthened two times by an angel that said, this journey is way too big for you. Eat. And he woke him up a second time and said, this journey is still way too big for you. You need to keep eating. And that sustained him 40 days. He had to go 40 days and nights into the wilderness to get available with God. How far do we need to go? How far does each of us need to go to get ourselves in that place where we are available? Probably not 40 days and 40 nights. But it's a good thing to ask. Are we in a space to listen? Are we in a space to hear? What's our distraction level like? Jesus often went to a quiet place, a mountain, a wilderness, something solitary, something desolate to be able to hear God. Luke 5.16 talks about that and other places as well. He put Himself in a place to be alone and available. The Son of God made Himself available to hear from His Heavenly Father. It was intentional. It was active. It was purposeful. He got alone. I love this question. God and His questions, they're they're so profound. It's like, why are you even asking me that? But He has such a purpose to His questions. He says, says in verse 9 and verse 13, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah probably was thinking, "Um, you sent the angel to feed me. You sent me out here 40 days, 40 nights. I didn't just arrive here by accident. You told me how to get here. Right? But he didn't do that. He, he actually knew full well why he was there. He, he really uh, unloaded on God with his uh, hurts and his discouragements. But what is God doing? This is the other aspect of being available. Not only do we want to play, be in a place where we can hear, but our hearts need to be in a place where he can talk to us. God was inviting Elijah to process his hurts and his concerns and his weights with him. When God was saying, God knew full well why Elijah was there. He brought him there. But in processing, he wanted Elijah to know why Elijah was there. And that's such an important aspect as we get alone with God, as, we, as he wants to redeem our whole situation. He wants to make the most out of our social isolation. He wants to make the most of our extra time and and energy and schedules that we have at home. The extra quiet time. We will never have this much quiet time again. I know you don't think that right now because you're doing homeschool at home. But we will never have this type of schedule again. And God is saying, okay, now let me get you in a place where you can hear me. And I want you to start to tell me how you're doing. I know how you're doing, but do you know how you're doing? This is so important that we know how we're doing. 
It brings us in a place where our guard comes down, our heart opens up, the doors fling open, and we are available for God to really speak into our whole beings. Because active listening is all about hearing and really embracing the message of the speaker and the speaker themselves. God is speaking right now. And we've never had a better opportunity to hear Him. And He wants us available. The second thing is this, is get uncluttered. Get uncluttered. Block out or weigh the noise. As much as we've never had a better opportunity to hear God spend time with Him, sit at His feet, have Him speak real truth and life into us, help us to make sense what's going on. We have never had greater chatter and greater destructive chatter. The, the, the things that are swirling on around us now are far worse than MTV ever was. Far worse than, than Facebook ever was. Those were just distractions that caused our... Our, our enjoyment and our preferences for God to dwindle as we fed constantly on these distractions. But the message is not distractions anymore. The messages that are going on around us, the fire, the earthquakes, the wind, these are destructive forces of nature and they're all around us. From the outside, we are being bombarded by harmful messages. And in some cases, we have to straight block that stuff out, give it the stiff arm, refuse it at all costs, run the other direction. Aspects of conspiracy theories, church, is, it's, it's cancer into your mind. It's looking to kill you from the inside out. It's wanting to take control of your mind and your heart and to shrink God to about this big. These conspiracy theories, and these, these have to be totally blocked out. Even the news would be a weighing of the news. Do you want to go on the news and hear how many new cases there are? Maybe. Do you want to do that every night? I don't know. Do you want to do that for half an hour every night? I don't know. Do you want to start reading case after case the new thing that they're doing is they're giving testimonials for how horrible COVID has been for a person. Now, I'm not saying don't be compassionate. I'm not saying don't have a heart for people. I think that um, our compassion needs to grow in these times and the church's arms need to be further open than they've ever been. But we need to weigh the things we're taking in. Are they making us afraid or are they making us faithful? Are they causing us to be paralyzed or are they causing us to go out towards people with social distancing, of course? We need to weigh the noise. We need to weigh the noise. It's so important. It's so important. It's like that touch screen that so let me recap. things pop up and you just kind of swipe them away. right encouragements that we've gone over before. Cancel them, swipe them away. That we can no make good. The most you don't want to have that. You can't have like these things did in his cave far away from everyone else, where God really wanted to get a hold of him, speak to him, send him off full 
take away that discouragement, heal his heart. We talked about getting available and being available for the Lord, not only in, in presence, being there, but also that our hearts would be open to what he wants to say, that we would be uh, aware of how we're doing, that we'd be able to process with him. Secondly, we want to get uh, rid of the clutter. We want to get rid of the, the noise, pollution that's going on around us. We want to weigh very carefully what we're listening to, what we're watching. Uh, movies, uh, YouTube, Facebook, media, like we, we need to weigh all these things. Are these things helpful? Are they reminding me that Jesus is on the throne? Or are they threatening to uh, terrify me that He isn't the sovereign God that we know that He is? And this is what conspiracy theories, this is what the news this is what fear-mongering does. Uh, they cause us to doubt, is Jesus really still the sovereign king? And, uh, and that, that's one of the reasons why they're so damaging. And we need to manage those things. We need to sift past. Nope, he's not in the fire. It's really destructive. It's really hot. But he's not in the fire. Nope, he's not in the wind. It's blowing all the rocks in my face. He's not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. It's shattering my foundations. I don't know if I'm standing correctly. He's not in there. We have to sift through that, all that stuff and find that when we really listen, God is there. And the third way is we want to get quiet. We want to get quiet. One of the best prayers I ever had was me saying nothing. Because I, like everybody else, had a list full of things that I needed God to do. Okay, God, we're going to start on page one, then page two. Then maybe we'll come back to page one if I'm feeling unsettled about it. And God said, just, just stop. Just be quiet. And I did. Uh, by His grace, I actually listened. But that was one of the best prayer experiences I ever had, where I had my lists, I had my concerns, I had all these burdens on me, and he's like, okay, you just need to let those go for a minute, and let's just be together. Just be quiet. And like active listening, I had, to, I had to purpose myself to be quiet. I had to remind myself to be quiet. I had to posture myself to be quiet. Because Elijah found God's voice in that stillness. After all those uh, huge natural um, displays of power, the things that you would think God is definitely going to be in the fire. He's definitely going to be in the wind. And Elijah had to wait. He had to sift through all that stuff. God's voice came in a low whisper. It also says a thin silence. See, God wanted to help Elijah to really hear. And so he got quiet and he leaned in and he wanted Elijah to lean in. To not be content with just things coming at him, but to engage fully in what God might want to say to him. And it takes so much purpose to do that. It says in one of the commentaries that I was reading, it says in that, in that low whisper, God was speaking to the conscience of Elijah. How powerful is that? The conscience, the very essence of Elijah, God was ministering to. 
He didn't come in such a way that he was just going to splatter all over him. He wanted to speak into the depths of the man. Because the depths of the man is where the problem was. This is what listening God to God does. I'm sure we've all experienced this. When God speaks to us, something changes inside. We don't have to go, okay, well, God, thanks for saying that. Now help me to apply it. Help me to really believe it. Help me to make it my own. When God comes in that still, small voice, when He speaks to our conscience, when He comes into the very soul of us, we go, okay, well, now life is different. That thing that you just spoke to is now different. I don't have to try. I don't have to apply. I don't need three points in order to make this a reality in my life. It's done. And that was the effective communication that God wanted to pour into His wounded, wounded servant. This is the value of the season we're in today. As as I've said, we'll, we'll never be in a position again with all the time with all the distance, with all the fear swirling on around us, we will never again, probably, that's a very definitive statement, but be in a position for God to come in that stillness and say, I want to speak to your soul. I want to quiet your soul. I want to come and fight against the beliefs that you have about yourself, about your nation, about your government, about your family, about your lot in life. I want to come and pour my truth into those areas where you don't have to try and apply it or make it your own or, or give all these efforts. You simply have to receive my voice. And it's straight into your soul. It becomes part of our DNA. When we're quiet, when we're available, when we're, when we're fighting against the clatter that's around us, God wants to come and speak right into our soul as we're active listening, as we're connecting with Him, as we're posturing ourselves in a place where it's His voice only that we want, He comes and He speaks life right into our souls. And it's ours. The words He says to you in the quiet, in the cave of your life, those are your words. And they can reshape everything from this point on. The last encouragement I have from the story of Elijah is to get high expectations for God to not only speak to you, but to direct your life. When Elijah finds himself in the cave of Horeb, 40 days and nights removed from all other civilization, I think he was a day or two in the wilderness before he even started to Horeb, he was finished. He was a finished prophet, washed up, worn out, wrung out, done, no life, ready to give up. And God remade him. God restored him. God healed him. God gave him greater purpose. And many of us have fallen far in these days. And the shock of distancing, isolation, quarantine, unknown viruses, silent assassins, These things have shaken us to our very core. And it doesn't matter the successes we had before this. We're feeling lost. We're feeling afraid. And not only does God want to speak in these moments, but He wants to speak in such a way that 
the rest of your life will be affected forever. The fruit from today can last a lifetime. The things He tells you in your quiet place now can be spoken loud and clear in the rest of your days. Because God remakes us when He speaks to us. And He did that to Elijah. Elijah was stuck. He was finished. His ministry was over as far as he was concerned. And God spoke to him about three different people. Hazel, Jehu, and Elisha. And it's interesting that Hazel was actually a Syrian king to be. He got the crown through a fairly unsavory assassination of the king who was sick at the time. But all three of these people became major instruments of God dealing with his people. One was a king of Syria that went against Israel in judgment. One was a king uh, of Israel in Jehu who fought against a lot of the idolatrous kings of the past of Israel. And Elisha was the one who carried on and carried the mantle of Elijah when Elijah was taken. Second Kings 9 and 10 speaks greatly of Jehu's works as he made right the mistakes and judged on behalf of God Ahab's family. Elisha in 2 Kings 4 to 13, it's 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 miracle and and just sustaining Israel through the work of God. Uh, if you want to look into those, it's 2 Kings 4 to 13. Uh, these amazing stories of Elisha. The stories that all these kids' books are made of, these miracles, whether it be the widow's oil jars or, or the healing of the children or the, the angelic army that's surrounding the people. Elisha was used powerfully by God. And it was in that cave that, that God took his broken servant in Elijah and said, you're not done yet. I have even mightier things for you to do as you take and you anoint these future leaders that are going to affect millions of people that are going to do my purposes, that are going to do my will. We may have entered this season broken. We may find ourselves broken during this season, but God wants to come in this season and reinvigorate us in such a way that we have a brand new trajectory of our life. It's such a beautiful, redemptive work. Because God isn't taking any days off in this season. God isn't self-quarantined. God isn't keeping proper social distancing. God is active and pursuing His people. He is maturing His church. He is purifying His church. He is reinventing the people of God re-posturing them for even greater things in the future. But can we be okay with a time where He's just silently under the surface working on us? I believe that God has a grand mission when the world opens up again because the doors are going to be wide open in our world. They're going to be wide open. People that were closed... um, previously are going to be receptive. Just this week, I texted somebody out of the blue who 
uh, I never got a response from for two years. I could not get a response from this person. And I would send them birthday messages. I would send them, how you doing? I would say to them, I miss you. I love you. And I would get nothing. And is it a coincidence that this week I sent another fairly harmless text of, I haven't forgotten about you. I'm still here. I still love you. And we had a good long conversation. I believe that we need to expect that the world is going to be open to a message like they've never been open before. But are we willing to be prepared now? Are we willing to put ourselves in a place where we shut the noise off around us, where we quiet our hearts, where we open our hearts towards what God is saying, where we freely and vulnerability process with how we're doing with Him, and we allow Him to impart knowledge and power and grace and compassion that's going to flood out into the world when it's time. It's an equipping time. It's a springtime. The energy and power in the plants now is going to explode out of the ground in flowers and leaves and fruit. And it's all under the surface. Are we willing to be under the surface right now? Are we willing to engage with an understanding and expectation of what is to come? It's a beautiful time to be a Christian. It is a beautiful, exciting time. And the opportunity is here for God to really do some healing soul work with us, to speak to us as we've never heard Him, and to give us all the marching orders we're going to need for the days to come. It is a beautiful time to be a believer. Let me end with a psalm. Psalm 46. And I want to read the whole passage. One of the best psalms, but you could probably find any psalm and call them one of the best, but I think it's one of the best. Psalm 46, church. This is the Word of God. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. This sounds true. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful season. Bless you, Landmark. It was great to be with you today. Hopefully see you soon. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. We hope that this material served to help you grow in following the way of Jesus. 
To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com.